Well, um, quite often people come to me with prayer requests, but I'm going to come with, come to you this morning with a prayer request. Okay? Can you guys help me out? Because some of you might be praying differently, and we're just going to get that get all on the same page. Because the Bible says, "Where two or three agree touching any one thing, it shall be done." Now we have this Christmas program tonight that everybody's been working so hard on, and we have a forecast. Okay, some of you are like, yay, snow. Well, just hold there, okay? It needs to come after like 8, 9 p.m., okay? All these kids are out of school. like, yeah, we want it to snow. Come on. Well, we, the rest of us at Seattle, we don't know how to handle this stuff. And so we don't want to, we don't want to uh, hinder this program tonight, amen? So would you, uh, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just ask that you would push that snow out. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for clear skies and good weather through this. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a week. It's been a week. There's been a few changes in here. I don't know if you noticed. Um, we're, we're thankful for a, a lot of people working really hard all week. I'd like you get to give a big thanks to uh, Ben back there. This guy. Uh, I told him that uh, Morgan Sound was going to come install a new projector and screen right in the middle of uh, the Christmas program practices and rehearsals, and uh, uh, I thought he would go in the fetal position, but he, had, he grabbed hold of faith and uh, just believed God, and uh, so and we came, came through. It just was all smooth. We just so many people helping. I just appreciate everybody who helped with make it possible, and the Bible says that without vision, a people perish, all right? And some of you in the back have had a hard time seeing things, so we've got vision now, right? Okay, sorry. Turn, turn your Bibles to Isaiah 9, 6. We're going we're gonna to wrap up this series we've been in, this Advent series, if you will, on the, um, on the declaration of who Jesus is. I, I just want to declare who Jesus is, amen? He is amazing. He is amazing. And um, who Isaiah the prophet declared him to be, and he called him four names, and this morning, we're going to continue on that, because um, he says, for a child, 700 years before his birth, he said, the prophet declared, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. How many are thankful for that this morning, that a son's been given to us? A child born, his divinity and humanity, the God-man who came, even as it was being prophesied, he came to die. He came to give his life a sacrifice for us. We're thankful that he came. And it says the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, we've just last month gone through another election cycle, have we not? Right? And every election cycle, we're reminded of this, that people make promises. People make promises. I heard a politician say, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're going to cure cancer while I'm, <laughs> I'm in office. All right, we've, we hear promises of prosperity. We hear promises of peace. We hear, and, and, and there's something in us that just wants these things to be fixed. Is there not? So we, we, we go, okay, maybe this person can make a difference. And then, and then this person gets in office and it just doesn't change. They might, be, they might bring temporal improvement, but things just continue to devolve because that's the way the Bible said it would play it out. But I'm thankful that it says the government shall be upon his shoulders because he's got shoulders big enough to carry it. Come on. 
And the hearers of this prophecy over the years greatly anticipated his coming. They said they had a picture in their mind that began to form as the prophecies came forth of who the Messiah would be. But how many know there were some false messiahs that came with promises that didn't get fulfilled? So disappointment and despair, and sometimes you get jaded when these things happen, but I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who keeps his promises, who is true to his promises. His promises are yes and amen. Praise God. There are, we want somebody to fix things, but the reality is there's no man or woman or man-made system of government that's able to achieve this. We are entirely unfit to govern ourselves. God in his mercy gave his son to rule over us. Come on. And reign in our lives because his government is perfect. When you see this description of his name shall be called, you go, it's too good to be true. All that in one person. Yes, it's in the person of Jesus. It's in who he is. These are aspects of his character. They describe who he is and what he came to do. In Jewish thought, a name does not just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of his being. And we think of all the names in Scripture, how Jacob became Israel. Come on. That, that he, he, God renamed Abram, became Abraham. God renamed them. Peter got a new name. Come on. God just defined who they would be, and through their names was a prophetic declaration of who they would be. And I, I can recall when my daughter was in my wife's womb, and we were praying over the name, and I could just remember one morning just I was praying and seeking the Lord, and I just heard, grace, grace, grace. And it just stuck in my spirit. You know, we, we were thinking about Hannah, and we were having these names. We were going back and forth, but... Like the Lord said, no, it's grace, and then it's Hannah. And I said, okay. And that just so perfectly describes who she is. And then it was Gabriel Isaac, the messenger who laughs. Come on. The one with a message who likes to laugh. And that's so that describes my son. It's awesome. He brings a lot of joy wherever he goes. And so God, the, I'll, I'll give you a little recap if you haven't been with us, but... We started with Wonderful Counselor. How many know in a world of mental health problems, in a world filled with anxiety, fear, depression, and suicide, and all these things, and they're reaching epidemic levels in our culture, now more than ever before, we need a counselor, a wonderful counselor, whose word we can trust, who, to whom we can go with all our problems, come on, and who he can speak to us and tell us exactly what we need to hear. His counsel is perfect. And he counsels us in so many ways through his word and speaking to us and through people in our lives. Thank God for people in our lives who get the word of the Lord and come and speak to us. Amen. All through my life, I've benefited from people who God's spoken through into my life. And here's the reality. You know, as the prophet Jeremiah said, I know, O oh Lord, I know this. That, that a man's way is not in himself. How many have had discovered that and come to that reality? Nor is it in a man to determine his own steps, to direct his own steps. And then we spoke on mighty God. We are powerless to fight our own battles. But we have a mighty God who, who his force, 
His power is greater than the forces of this world, the devil, temptations, the flesh. Come on. He's our hero. He's our victorious warrior. Amen? He's already won the victory through the cross of, and through his resurrection. And he is coming to establish his kingdom on earth forever. And that's this prophecy is not just of who the baby would be, but his second coming. Come on. And then, then last week, my amazing wife brought forth the word on everlasting father. Man, she's a good preacher. I think she's better than me. And my opinion matters more. So. He knows us best and he loves us most. He's the father to the fatherless. He sets the solitary in families. He cares for us. He disciplines us. He's the one standing with arms wide up. Behind that big, huge screen is the mural of the, the prodigal son coming home. He's the one standing with arms wide open, welcoming the prodigal back into his home. He's the everlasting father. And we are his sons and daughters, those who have believed on him, who have received him. We have been given the right to become children of God. Come on. I think that's good news. So the question for us this morning, is he to you all that his name implies? Is he to you all that his name implies? It's one thing to know it here, but it's another thing to experience him as wonderful counselor. It's another thing to experience him as mighty God, as everlasting father. And today I want to talk about he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. And I think it's that order is important. I think it's not there in that order by chance, but by God's design. Come on. Because if you know you can take your problems to him, that you can trust his word, his counsel. And if you know he's powerful enough to fulfill his counsel, come on. He's powerful enough to defeat our enemies. If you know that he's a good father who loves you and who cares for you and who looks after you and who protects you, then you can know that he is also your prince of peace. He is also your prince of peace. And it causes me to think this morning about what do we tend to think of when we think of the word peace, right? For some of us, it means the absence of conflict. I just, I just need a little peace. I think of the movie, What About Bob? Come on, somebody's seen that. <laughs> Baby steps, that's right. Baby steps. And I can't, I can't remember his name, but the, the psychologist walks in and Bob is staying in the same room as his son. Huh? Dr. Leo Marvin, that's right, walks in, and Bob is sleeping there, and his son's in another bed, and he says, I need some peace and quiet. He says, I'll be peace. I'll be quiet. And some of you as parents, you feel that right, right? Yeah, I just need some peace and quiet. Maybe you've been in a place of conflict with others or whatever has been going on, and you just need that conflict to settle. But some of us think of a place where we find peace. I remember being on a business trip. I got to go do a Can You Hear Me Now with cell phones tour of Africa 20 years ago and uh, go to these places I've never been on the dime of the company. It was awesome. And I was going to this, I was going to Botswana. And on the plane ride there, I can recall 
sitting next to a businessman. And he goes, I said, well, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going here to check on our business here. And I said, okay, how's, how's that going? He goes, I don't know. I always uh, worry about productivity here. And I said, why is that? He goes, they're just so peaceful and they're just so, they just work five-hour days and things don't get done. And so he goes, but I mean, this place is, it's just the atmosphere here. It's different. I mean, you can, you can leave your car uh, running with the doors open in the middle of town and nobody's going to take your your car. And I go, wow, this sounds amazing. And I can remember when we landed and we walked into that place, I could feel peace. I could feel peace. I don't know what's happened there. Maybe there was a move of God. I don't know the history, but I, I remember the atmosphere of that place brought peace. And, and so maybe for you, you think of a place that you go to. Maybe, maybe you see, a, 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 my, this is my wife, a warm, sunny beach with a nice book in her hand and a refreshing beverage, right? And you think in your mind, yes, 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 right? Um, or maybe, maybe you just think of a place that is clean and orderly. Come on. It's got to have some things together. Or is it just quiet and serenity you need? You know, during this season, it's amazing that we celebrate the Prince of Peace at quite possibly the most chaotic time of the year, Right? It's like, Jesus, we're going to celebrate you by just going crazy and shopping and being busy and all this stuff. But we just need some quiet. We need some peace. But the question is, what is true peace to you? How do you experience peace? You know, the, the problem with all these answers is they are circumstantial and they're conditional. Are they not? They have to do with your environment. And there's things that you just can't control. There's things in your life you can't control. So the Prince of Peace wants you to experience true peace. But the first thing we must know is that he is the source of true peace. He is the source of true peace. And that might seem just incredibly obvious to you, but I'm here to declare the obvious. You can't get it anywhere. I was listening to a session at work. You know, in, in, in the workplace today, there's an incredible focus on well-being. Mental health, right? Because we have epidemic problems with this. It's, it's, it's incredible how bad it's reached in our society. And the, the quote of the, one of the ladies who was speaking on this, this session said, our mental health and well-being are priceless. And that just stuck. The Holy Spirit went, yes. Yes, they are. And I made a way for that. I paid the price so that you can have that peace. It's the longing of every soul for true peace. The longing of every soul. But everything we grasp for, it just seems like that doesn't satisfy. There's the, I'm empty. I'm not really at peace. It might be for a temporary situation, but I go back and I'm back into this place of torment and chaos. The price of stress. How many of us have dealt with some stress in this season, in this past two and a half years of craziness we've been in, but chronic stress has consequence. It leads to medical and mental health and health problems, heart, heart disease, diabetes, digestive problems, immune system problems, alcohol, drug use, depression, anxiety, suicide. These things come from this. And they're all reaching epidemic levels right now, but we look at the instability of this world of the last two years and we go, we need the Prince of Peace to know him as the Prince of Peace. 
But here's the thing. To know his peace, you know, in some degree it's impossible because the Bible describes his peace as being beyond understanding. Now, when you've actually experienced it, then you understand what that means. That you do, like, this is beyond understanding. It's beyond anything I can experience or describe. But many Christians, if we're honest, aren't living in this. And he desires it for us. He's made a way for us to experience and live in this peace. Isaiah the prophet describes this peace that Jesus would bring in their hearts prior to this passage and eventually in their land in his millennial kingdom. The people of Israel would be delivered from the yoke of slavery, the oppression of their enemies, war in their land would be eradicated. How good does that sound? In verse 7 of Isaiah 9, I want to reread this. It says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. No end and to the increase on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Somebody say forevermore. No end to this peace. I want you to think about this for a moment. I read this finding, and it says this, a former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences and Historians from England, Egypt, Germany, and India have come up with some startling information. Since 3600 B.C., the world has known only 292 years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which 3.65 billion people have been killed. So how incredible is this prophecy? There will be no end to his peace. I think about the people in war and in, 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 in trying circumstances around the world right now, those in Ukraine in Russia and these different parts of the world where they're suffering and they're, they're fearing for their lives, just saying, God, I, I want peace. What a promise that we have in Scripture. See, unlike other kingdoms, his kingdom would not be advanced with physical violence and force. His kingdom would consist of righteousness, peace, and joy. Come on. And would win its way in the hearts of men through the inherent power of its excellence. Through the inherent power of its excellence. It would gradually terminate war and conflict and restore love and order to the whole earth. That's what's coming, church. Come on. And the only blood that would be shed would be his own for the sake of it. Many have shed their blood as martyrs. But his blood makes a way for his kingdom. Come on. When Pilate was questioning Jesus, he said this. He, Jesus answered him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Come on. But he achieves this by winning over our hearts of men with his dying love for us. Look at Colossians chapter 1. 
for it was the Father's good pleasure. We could just camp on that. For all the fullness to dwell in him. The fullness of the God had dwelled in Jesus. Are you here this morning? Hebrews says that he is the exact representation of the Father. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, as Pastor Carolyn preached last week. So the fullness of the, fa- the, 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 fullness of the God had dwelled in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through what? The blood of his cross. Through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, Jesus made peace. He came to die, and he came to make a way through his blood that we might have that peace. And I want you to see that it's his peace increases as his government increases. As this gospel of peace is preached, and as people believe and receive him, and they receive him into their hearts as king, then his spiritual kingdom is established, come on, in their lives. And that peace reigns in their lives. And it's an increasing peace. How many know that this morning? It's an increasing peace. It's not only increasing through through salvation and, and through the gospel going forth throughout the world, but it's increasing in our lives each and every day. I hope you have more peace today than you did before. Because his as his government increases in our life. Are you hearing me? As I submit submit and come under his government, as he is truly Lord of my life, then I experience and live in that peace in an increased level. And it will increase. It started at the birth of Jesus, and it's going to increase all the way up to his return, and his physical kingdom comes on earth, and true peace on earth can happen. His spiritual empire, it will continue to increase until he comes. I want you to know this morning, he is our peace. Look at Judges chapter 6. So much good stuff in the story of Gideon. And in fact, in this prophecy, Isaiah references Gideon and the Midianites earlier in chapter 9. Oh, I'm back. But Gideon has this experience. Verse 22, when Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord. I want you to know this. That is the Lord himself. Are you hearing me? Showing up. He said, Alas, O Lord God, for I, for now I have been seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. That's good news. You understand what happened before this. Israel is under attack from the Midianites, and they're stealing all their goods, and, and God is calling Gideon a mighty warrior. But verse 24, he says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. The Lord is Peace. Jehovah Shalom. And it says, To this day it is still an Ophrah, of the Abiezrites. Thank you. But Gideon, Gideon had only known of Jehovah by hearsay. He had heard the testimonies of God. Come on. He had heard the testimonies of what God had done. And he says, where's that God? Here we are. We're hiding from the Midianites, man. We're losing. 
Where's our God who did all these miracles and wonders, signs and wonders? Where is he? And then, then he meets him face to face. And it's no longer hearsay, but it's an encounter with the living God. Isn't that amazing? The same Lord who would, who would come in the flesh as a baby or, uh, presents himself to Gideon. And he says, peace to you. I mean, Gideon didn't know what would happen if he saw the Lord face to face. He thought he was going to die. But he says, peace to you. Peace to you. The person of the Lord reveals himself. And, you know, he now experienced him. And he says, oh, he is my peace. Do you see it? And you see there's that place where we worship and we worship him as king, prince of peace. But sometimes it's just something we're not experiencing. But can you say this morning that you could build an altar because you've experienced him as my peace. Jehovah Shalom. And because he had this revelation and because he had this affirmation from the Lord, he could go forth and now conquer the Midianites, an army of 100,000 with only 300 dudes. That was awesome. I thought that was pretty cool. But look at the word shalom because... I don't think, again, when we're trying, what is, what is true peace? Well, how the scripture de de defines peace is in the word shalom, and it means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. It speaks of wholeness, a feeling of being safe, quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace in our relationships, and peace from war. You know that in Israel, it's both a hello and goodbye to say shalom. But that greeting literally means, may you be full of well-being. Or may the Lord, may health and prosperity be upon you. That's what it means. That's a good greeting that rather than, hey, what's up? May you be full of well-being, right? Shalom. I mean, we can just start doing that in church. Come on, church. But Isaiah 26, 3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I want you to see this. He can give us perfect peace. The true peace is a perfect peace. And in the Hebrew, it's actually saying shalom, shalom. Not really being a word for better, best, good, better, best, but in saying shalom, shalom, it's repeating it to say, no, this is the best. It's better than the world can offer that kind of peace because it's complete. It's perfect peace. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, God cannot give us happiness apart from himself because it is not there. It is not there. There is no such thing as true peace or happiness apart from him. He is our peace. I hope you're getting this morning. Are you with me, church? But we must also know the conditions for his peace. Look at Luke chapter 2. And we see the encounter that the shepherds had with the angels in announcing the Savior's birth, and it says, and suddenly there appeared with the angel 
Man, I just love that. I just, in my mind, I don't even think in, in movies and or in the chosen, anybody can capture the glory of this moment. It's just, I mean, they try and they do a great job, but nobody can truly capture this. Can you imagine this in your mind's eye this morning? We hear the story every Christmas, but it, it just should fill us with awe and wonder. And he says, the angel of, uh, um, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Read that carefully. We always sing peace on earth, right? But it's peace on earth to men with whom he is pleased. With whom he's pleased. And you say, well, who, what, who is he pleased with? Well, Scripture tells us what pleases God, people. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And in, in KJV says, diligently seek him. Faith pleases God. Believe him. Take him at his word. If you want to experience and live in the pre peace of the Prince of Peace, we need to believe in who he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I love what he said to the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She had spent all she could on with the doctors trying to get better, and she can't find any answers. And then Jesus, she hears Jesus is coming. She presses through the crowd. She gets through all the hindrances. She gets past all the people, and she touches the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that healing virtue was released, and she was healed. And Jesus, being surrounded by people, said, Who has touched me? No, there's lots of people touching you, Jesus. No, there's somebody who touched me with faith. Come on, there's a lot of Christians hanging around Jesus, but there's only a few who touch him with faith. And she, his words say it all. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But look at this passage in Matthew 10, 34. It almost seems contrary. You go, sometimes you're reading scripture and someone told me early on in discipleship, he said, sometimes you come to a scripture and you're like, I don't know what that means. That doesn't make sense. You just write MH. More here. I got to come back here and meditate on this. God's got something to say to me. I need to, I need to dig here and, and, and really understand what this means. Anybody had some MH moments in the Bible? And he says, do not think that I came, this is Jesus speaking, to bring peace on the earth. What? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The baby? What? And he said, he would go on to say that he would set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a man's enemies would be of his own household. This does not... Sound like sweet baby Jesus? But you see, this passage doesn't contradict what he said, the angel said to the shepherd. Simeon, as Pastor Sam brought up this morning, when he was holding, he had waited all his life, and he sees the Messiah, and he's holding that little baby. How many know when the baby's not crying, 
screaming, hungry, poopy diaper, that one, those moments where they're just happy, that's peace. Nothing like holding a sweet, peaceful baby, right? And Simeon's looking into the eyes of Jesus. And then he looks at his parents and he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You see, you can't experience this peace except by faith and also by surrender. We got to lay down our weapons, church. And we got to let the sword of the Lord, which is his word, pierce our hearts. And why does it pierce us? Because he's got to do some surgery, church. He's got to cut away some things in us that are hindering his peace from operating in our life. And in that, he brings healing. But, and then Isaiah 32, 17 says, oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Throw down your weapons. That's what you need to know. Make him truly Lord of your life if you want to experience his peace. There's his righteousness. You notice in Isaiah 9, 7, he says, it would be righteousness and justice that upholds his throne. Righteousness and justice that uphold his throne. That means they uphold his government. They are the foundation of it. And in Psalm 85, the psalmist says, I will hear what the God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people. Come on, he wants to speak peace to his people this morning. To his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's a love scene for the ages. There is no peace without righteousness. There can be no peace without righteousness. And that's why every politician or man's promise is impossible. That's why our nation can't have peace because there's unrighteousness, gross immorality. The sin is the source of our chaos. The sin is the source of our lack of peace. We cannot experience that peace he gives without living godly and righteous lives. How many know that sin comes and it's set? The Bible says in Isaiah 59, your sins have separated you from him. Oh, but thank you for Jesus' blood. Come on. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made a way that we can have forgiveness of sins. If we are confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of unrighteousness. Are you hearing me? He cleanses us of unrighteousness, and then we can experience that peace because we are Christ fully clean. Thank you, Jesus, for that peace. Isaiah later says in verse th- or chapter 32, verse 17, and the work of righteousness will be peace. Righteous people have peace. 
and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. I mean, Paul says it in Romans 14. He says, whatever is not of confidence, also the word faith, is sin. Right? Think about that. If I can't do something in faith, it's sin. That's pretty simple. All right, some of you got quiet on me. That's not the quietness we're talking about here. All right? So we know he's the source of our peace. We know there are conditions for his peace. But thank God for the peace that he gives. Because Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross on the night of that last supper, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do you not, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, because they had a lot to be afraid of. This one who they had left everything for, this one who they had followed with all their lives, he was leaving, he's telling them he's departing, and they're like, what? This wasn't part of the deal? I didn't sign up for this, but he says, it's my peace I'm giving to you. Hold on, you got it, I got you. I got you. I'm going to the cross, and through my blood, I'm going to make a way for true peace to be experienced. I mean, you think you have peace with my physical presence. Wait until my spirit comes and fills you. Because i got to go to the Father so I can send forth the Helper, who is the Spirit of peace. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Come on. But my peace, he says, when he... And we see his peace in the life that he lived because when he was asleep in the boat during the midst of a massive storm, we see his peace. When he stood, when he had found out his friend Lazarus had died, we see his peace. Yes, he wept, but he knew there was more to the story. Come on. When he stood before his accusers silent, when he was mocked, persecuted, beaten, whipped, nailed to the cross, when he forgave his accusers on that cross, when, when he walked in the room after his resurrection and he said to his disciples, peace to you, we see his peace. And then he says later in John 16, that in me you might have peace. In me you might have. Are you getting this yet, church? It's his peace. It's not as the world gives it's temporal peace that the world gives. It's conditional peace that the world gives. Peace with him. Next, in Romans 5, 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, that's good news. I don't know about you, but if I was an enemy, I was an enemy, and he reconciled me to him through the cross. I have peace because he made a way for me to be justified. He made a way. In Romans 5, 8 through 10, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners... Some of you have been holding on. You're like, no, i got to get some things together. Then I'm going to go to God. No. You need to come to him now. Now. 
Don't wait. He already knows your stuff. What are you waiting for? In that while we were yet sinners, come on. Christ died for us. But 9 says, much more than, wait, there's more? Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, somebody say much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Ooh, that's good news. We have peace with him. That's why I can say my best day, my worst day as a Christian, <laughs> still better than my best day before. Because no matter what I was doing, there was this longing, this emptiness inside of me for that peace that only he gives. I was out of whack with him. I was at, I was at odds with him. I was at enmity with him. And that, that, that was broken. And until that was healed and made whole by the blood of Jesus and through his forgiveness and his grace and, by, and, and putting faith and trust in him, I didn't have peace. But there's a peace within. You know, we have no guarantee in this life of peace without this world. The Bible says in your, this world you have trials and tribulations, right? But don't fear because I've overcome this world, right? We're guaranteed trials and tribulations, but the Prince of Peace can still rule and reign in our lives such that we will live in continual peace despite our circumstances surrounding us. I remember 25, almost more, 26 years coming up. Actually, it's now been 26 years. At this altar, experiencing a touch from God, I was, a, I was a hot mess. My life was disastrous. And yet God in his love and his grace and his mercy poured out his spirit on me. And I, I can remember just everything being so still on the inside. Oh, I've never had this. This is real. Oh, there's nothing in this world that compares to this no high, no experience, no, no, no adrenaline rush. Nothing it compares to this. No relationship earthly can provide what I'm experiencing in this moment. That's the true peace of God. We live at war with our own conscience. So therefore we lack peace within but Colossians, Paul said to the Colossians, he said this, let the peace of God, Christ, let the peace of Christ rule. Let it rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And this word rule is like an umpire. God wants to call balls and strikes in your life. Nope, nope, that's, that's my peace, that's not. Do you get it? When his peace is ruling, that's what guides me. When his peace is ruling, that's what guides me. When it's outside the strike zone, I don't want to go there. 
Let it rule in your life. Next, it's peace with others. So many of our lives are marked by strife and conflict. But here's the reality. When we are experiencing peace with him, ah, and peace within, then at least half of the equation of conflict with others is fixed. I can't control what they do. Man, but if it's his peace, come on. They were at conflict with him. They were at opposition with him. They hated him. They persecuted him. And yet he stood in peace like a lamb led to the slaughter. Our precious lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world stood there and took it quietly. That peace can operate in me so I don't have to be defensive. I don't have to try to, try to get my way. I can just have the Prince of Peace rule over my heart and rule in my heart, and it's going to change how I relate to other people. Come on. Because my heart now has been so transformed by the Holy Spirit, that I want to make peace. And just, get this church, just as Jesus laid down his life to make peace, will I lay down my life to make peace? Will I be crucified with him? Because when I am, it changes how I relate to people. I live unoffended. I live in love. I let the joy and peace and righteousness of his kingdom rule in me. And you can come at me with whatever you want, but I'm going to stay in that place of peace. And I'm going to love you. Are you with me, church? And I, I won't even come. Oh, when the Prince of Peace rules in your life, get this. I'm here on a Sunday morning. I'm about to worship. And the Lord says, hey, this other person has ought with you. Has ought with you. What do you say? Live your, leave your gift there at the altar and go make it right. Because I'm ruled by the Prince of Peace, I'm going to be a peacemaker. And I realize that I'm going to do my part. He says, not if you have ought with your brother, but if you know your brother has ought with you. That's different. That's different. I'm going to go out of my way to make peace. And I don't care if it's their fault. Or my fault. Are you with me, church? Peace with others. Romans 12, 18 says, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with one another. See, as it depends on you, you can't control the other part of the equation, but you can control you. Come on. I put it there twice. I'm not really sure why I did that. Yeah, I'll replace it. Yes, yeah. yeah. pursue. It's worth 
two times, all right? Romans 14, 19 actually says, pursue the things that make for peace, the building up of one another. And Hebrews 4, 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all men. And lastly, Paul prays this. Look, his peace is more comprehensive than I have here today. It's beyond understanding. Let me just re reiterate that. But here's some points, okay? Peace in every circumstance. He prays for the Thessalonians. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself continually, oh, continually. It's increasing, but it's continually too. It's never ending. Grant you peace in, in some circumstances, except when there's traffic or the Seahawks lose. Come on. No, every circumstance, every circumstance, when your neighbor walks on your lawn, no, 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 every circumstance, their dog does stuff in your lawn, no, every circumstance, grant you peace. And I think of all those believers around the world today, this morning, in all sorts of trials and tribulations, those in the Ukraine, those in Iran, those in Syria, those in Sudan, those in China, that they can be in the midst of awful, terrible persecution and tribulation and yet have peace in every circumstance because the Prince of Peace rules within them. You see continual, uninterrupted peace that is not contingent on your circumstances. Really? Yes, really. It's real. It's real. Can you stand to your feet, church, this morning as we close? And I'll ask this question again. Is he all to you? that his name implies? Is he all to you that his name implies? When he's reigning in your life, you will know and experience all that he is. On the contrary, when sin reigns, bondage, shame, guilt reign. When fear reigns, torment reigns in us. So the question is, who is ruling in you? Who is ruling? Are you stressed? Are you burdened? Are you weighed down by the cares of this life? Are you experiencing the guilt and the shame of your failures? Are you fighting depression, anxiety, fear? Are you dealing with strife and conflict? The Prince of Peace wants to change it all. He wants to be all to you that he is the nature of who he is. Can we just lift our hands in this place? Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. We adore you in this place. Oh, Lord. Stillness, O oh, great shepherd, 
shall not want. Lord, you lead us beside still waters. Shun that. Cause us to lie down in green pastures. Oh, great shepherd, you lead us in paths of righteousness. So many things have weighed us down. So many cares have weighed us down this morning. Lord, we lay them down before you. Lord, we believe in you, Prince of Peace. We believe this morning we can experience and have and possess and live in the reality of the peace that passes all understanding. Oh, Jesus, come. Would you come and take the throne in our hearts? That peace that only you give, not as the world gives, but you give, Lord your peace would come upon each and every soul this morning and those watching those listening right now in the sound of my voice would hear and know the peace that passes understanding Hallelujah. oh church we carry too much he wants to carry it for you want to be with you, Jesus. Thank you. You are our peace. Christ, our peace. Philippians 4 says this. Somebody here this morning Many of you, I sense, need this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. In everything. I feel there's some people here you've just been dealing with anxiety, sleeplessness, restlessness. The weights of this world, the cares, the concerns, the worries, living in this state of stress and heaviness. And I just sense the presence of the Lord this morning to free you from all that. Free you. He says, be anxious for nothing, worry for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Because when we come to him in prayer and we come to him in supplication, we make our requests made known to him with thanksgiving. Why? We can thank him because he is the Prince of Peace. We can thank him. We can be like Gideon and make that altar Jehovah Shalom in our lives. The revelation of who he is. And how do I know that transaction has taken place, that I have really given him my cares, my weights, my worries, is because that peace that passes understanding comes and it begins to surround and build a fortress around my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Can we just thank him for his peace right now? Whatever it is. I feel like there's somebody here this morning and there's a, a doctor's report that's just been weighing upon you. Maybe you're here, maybe you're online. A health situation. And it's brought distress. It's brought worry and anxiety. And I just feel the Lord saying, that's not the final report. The, will you believe the report of the Lord? And he wants to bring his peace to you right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you're worried about a job situation, a financial situation, the economic in your life. I want you to know he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And as you come to him with thanksgiving and you say, Lord, this is too much for me. I'm giving it to you. I'm casting my cares on you. Whatever that care, that weight is this morning, bring it to the Prince of Peace. Let's make this altar a place where we just lay it down. That physical act of coming to this altar and saying, here, Lord, I give it to you. But that place of coming to that altar like Gideon and saying, I want, I'm going to worship the Jehovah Shalom. I'm going to acknowledge his lordship so that his peace might reign in my heart. That's what this altar is this morning.